The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Stephanie Freeze with the Carolina Fear Fest in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey there, this is Paul Lanner with Haunters Against Hate and HAHTheEvent.com, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello everyone, this is Martin Orwood with Metrop and Gun, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello creeps, it's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. (laughs) And you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. (laughs) Hi, this is Jen Braverman with Trans World, and you have been listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Alex from Ponte, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, it's me, Mommy D, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Lima Leap, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. All right, Haunters. You've tuned in to Big Scary Show, episode 233. That's right, it's springtime. Time to renew all the great stuff about haunting, the shows that are coming up, and what you're going to do to make this haunt season so spectacular. Badger's going to kick things off with Deadline News. He's got all the happenings in the industry so that you're plugged in and ready to go. We'll see what Meat Hook Jim has going on between the corpses. Jerry Vane has some kicking music for you this week to really get things warmed up. And have a haunt minute, and I'll give you some real estate advice. Ooh, you can't beat that. Real estate and marketing and haunting. Woohoo! We're also going to talk with David Colton of the Rondo Awards. And this week on the Roundtable of Terror, we're going to talk with some convention organizers with a couple of conventions you may not have heard of. That's right. We're going to speak with with Mark from Metroficom. We're going to speak with Stephanie from the Carolina Fear Fest and Paul from the Haunters Against Hate. Find out what the hosts have to say and what these shows have going on as things start ramping up and we actually 
get the opportunity to get out there and get to some of these shows and do some things in person. We'll have information on a gruesome giveaway and all kinds of other great fun and all the haunting neat stuff you need on Big Scary Show, episode 233. Gathering of Darkness. Darkness falls on the Big Scary Show.
did you miss out on the 2021 Fear Expo? The vendor floor, the show specials, the master classes, the presentations? Don't fret, you can still access Fear Expo at fearexpo.com till the end of the month. While you're at it, find out the news and information on the Fear Expo event coming that will be open to the public April 9th, 10th, and 11th. More details coming, all new classes, a full vendor floor, and lots more from fearexpo.com. Twitch of the Death Nerve. The first motion picture to require face-to-face warning. Every ticket holder must pass through the theater's final warning station. We must warn you face-to-face. Warning. Diabolical. Fiendish. Savage. Twitch of the Death Nerve. You may not walk away from this one. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger, and this is Deadline News for episode 233. We have got a lot of convention news going on, and we're going to get started with this update from the Midwest Haunters Convention. We are excited to announce the dates for this year's MHC, June 25th through the 27th, and it will be held in a new location. We're going to... Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Wisconsin Center. We have three amazing haunted houses to tour on Friday, June 25th. Abandoned Haunted House Complex, Green Bay Fear Haunted Attractions, and Terror on the Fox, which is celebrating their 25th anniversary. More details will be coming soon. And better note, even though COVID regulations would not allow for the show in the Chicago area, this year we do hope to return to Chicago next year. So save that date, June 25th through the 27th. Get more information and follow all the updates at MidwestHauntersConvention.com. Or we'll tell you about them right here on Deadline News. We have a little hiring news from Fear Columbus in Columbus, Ohio. We are once again looking to expand our cast here at Fear Columbus Haunted House. This round of hiring is for our upcoming event, Nightmare Combat which is an interactive laser tag event. So think Call of Duty, but you're shooting live monsters, and we're looking for more monsters to join our crew. The dates for this event are Friday, April 30th through Sunday, May 1st, and we'll be holding auditions April 5th, 7th, 9th, 12th, and 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. Please dress comfortably and bring two forms of ID with you, Email Jess, J-E-S-S, at fearcolumbus.com to reserve your spot and apply. You must be at least 16 years old. This is such a fun job with a great group of people, and we would love to add you to our little family. You can also get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash fearcolumbus. We have this update from the West Coast Haunters Convention. We are looking for speakers for the free virtual West Coast Haunters Convention, May 1st and 2nd. Because this is a virtual convention, we're inviting speakers from all over the U.S. and the world to join us to share their knowledge with our haunt community. Please sign up and tell us what you'd like to share. Hope to see you all in May. Get more information at hauntersconvention.com. 
Disney.com. We have this news on a new Disney Plus series based on R.L. Stein's books. This comes to us via BloodyDisgusting.com. Boom Studios launched R.L. Stein's comic book series Just Beyond in 2019, and we recently learned that Disney Plus is turning the horror comedy Terror Tales into an anthology series. Disney Plus has given an eight-episode order for the series, which hails from writer and showrunner Seth Graham Smith and 20th Century Fox Television. Stein will serve as co-executive producer, and we've learned through The Hollywood Reporter that Mark Webb is on board to direct the series. The reporter reports that Webb will be directing at least the first two episodes. Hmm. We have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Chicago. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor Tony Todd to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Chicago happening April 9th through the 11th at the Crown Plaza O'Hare. An actor who needs little introduction in the horror genre, the imposing Tony Todd is probably best known for his portrayal as the Candyman in the Candyman series of films. He's also appeared in Platoon, Final Destination, The Rock, The Hatchet series, and in an episode of Showtime's Masters of Horror. For more information and tickets, go to daysofthedead.com. We have this update from Spooky Empire coming to Orlando, Florida. Our very favorite Universal Monster and Spooky Empire friend, Rico Browning, will be joining us April 30th through May 2nd at the Wyndham Orlando Resort. Rico Browning, best known for being the only actor to portray the Gill Man in three films, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Revenge of the Creature, and The Creature Walks Among Us. The director, actor, stuntman, and writer also worked on Flipper, Sea Hunt, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and many more. Tickets, VIP packages, and hotel rooms are available now at SpookyEmpire.com. And finally, we have this hiring news from the Curse of the Bayou Haunted Attraction in Lockport, Illinois. This top-rated haunted attraction is located in Lockport's Delwood Park. We're open Fridays and Saturdays in October, and now we're hiring. Come join our amazing haunt family. No experience necessary. We're looking for lighting and sound techs, a build crew, makeup artists, ticket takers, security, and more. Contact us at hohmanagers at gmail.com for further information or visit their Facebook page, facebook.com slash curse of the bayou. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunted attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free 
and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. And ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, we are all about everything Halloween, haunted houses, horror. But you know, we have a special place in our heart for classic horror figures. You know, we talk all the time about Universal Monsters, Hammer Films, lots of really cool things like that. Uh, we interview a lot of horror hosts that play a lot of, well, let's just be honest, bad movies out there. But they make them fun. And without the classic horror, we wouldn't have the modern horror, would we? And how would the haunted house industry be without that classic horror? Well, for the past 19 years or so, there has been a group called the Rondo Awards, you may have heard of it, that has been celebrating classic horror figures, whether it's film restoration or documentaries, books, magazines, DVDs, TV promotions, whatever. If it has something to do with classic horror, they're probably involved in it. And every year they pull out this big ceremony, the Rondo Awards, and you can vote in it and nominate your favorite people in your favorite categories. And I've been trying for a long time to get this person on the air. I have Mr. David Colton, who is the organizer of the Rondo Awards. And he is in Arlington, Virginia. Mr. Colton, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm really happy to be with the scary world. Oh, aren't we all? So, for the people who aren't familiar with the Rondo Awards, I've been aware of them for about 15 years. I heard you on the former podcast we were on being interviewed about this. Um, and ironically enough, just yesterday I saw, an, I saw a film with Rondo Hatton in it. But tell us about the Rondo Awards, how they came about, and how they celebrate classic horror. Well, yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, the Rondo Awards started as a very homegrown idea, and it's still pretty homegrown. My wife paints the statues that we give out. Um, it began back in 2002 on the Classic Horror Film Board, which was uh, part of AOL back then. They used to have discussion groups. And we had some great members of that group, uh, Tom Weaver and Tim Lucas and um, Cortland Hull and uh, Rick Baker would stop by and John Landis would stop by. And um, we discussed, the, wouldn't it be great to have an award of some kind? And we discussed, you know, what could the name be, the Bellas or the Borises? And, we, you know, you run into uh, family, uh, you know, name copyrights and things like sure. that somebody mentioned rondo hatton which in uh very distinctive to say the least looking actor who uh, had acromegaly um elephant man's disease and his face distorted over the years and he was in about a half dozen actual horror films although he was in more films than that including a film in 1946 called house of horrors where a mad sculptor makes a giant sculpt of his face of his head and uh one of our members kerry gamel who's a comic book artist and star wars artist uh he drew superman he uh, followed john byrne on x-men sometimes um sculpted a representation about six inches tall of uh rondo hatton and that was all it took i you know it was like wow we can really make these and um we the first year we had like best movie best tv 
and I'm a former journalist, so I was very into the journalism of horror scholarship. So we had best magazine, best book, best article, um, best documentary. We had about like 12 categories. And the first year, 184 people voted online, and we were thrilled. It was like, wow, almost 200 people. And the next year, it was 600 people. And last year, the 18th year, it was 4,700 people. Wow. Um, which maybe in the digital world doesn't sound like a lot, but the ballot is not a click ballot. You have to either cut and paste it or you have to type in who you think the winners are. Um, so it's very eight-track kind of in hmm. a digital world. But um, it gives us a chance to see who's voting, and it cuts down on uh, – uh, ballot stuffing. Uh, we don't want anyone to steal the vote, so to speak. Sure. Uh, and now we have like 30 categories and um, it has become a very um, prized prize. Um, um, you know, Tom, uh, Joe Dante has a rondo. Uh, Zachary got a rondo. Forrest Ackerman got a rondo. Uh, Rick Baker has a rondo. Um Guillermo del Toro has a has a rondo. Peter Jackson has a rondo. Ray Harryhausen has a rondo. It's wow. really something. But most of the winners are just fans who have pushed the hobby forward, um, and that's why we try to keep it very fan based and not get into um, categories like best decapitation or best kill or those kind of things, which other awards like Rue Morgue or Fangoria do. Absolutely. We try to keep this very centered on classic horror. That's excellent. Now, last year being a pandemic year, were were the rondos held that year or were they postponed until this year? So are the nominees, if they were postponed, are the nominees this year based on last year or are they based on this year or both? Uh, a little bit of both. Last year we did have the vote and we did have winners. And we usually have uh, a ceremony, an actual ceremony, at um, Wonderfest in Louisville um, after Memorial Day. But obviously, like almost no conventions were held last year. Um, so we didn't send out any awards yet because uh, even getting some of the materials for the awards was hard. And right now we're voting um, for, for work from 2020, and those will be announced at the end of April. Um, so we will probably have a gala either at Wonderfest if they do hold it this year, or we'll just have some kind of online uh, presentation. A lot of winners send videos, which are really fun. And um, like Gilbert Gottfried accepted for uh, Sven Gulli a few years ago, and it's an hysterical video, you know. Um, so things like that. I think he has mentioned his Rondo Award on his show before, so that is that's pretty awesome. Yeah, he won last year. <laughs> what are some of the categories? You know, I know films and TV and DVDs are obviously there, but there are some categories in there that you wouldn't necessarily think of when it comes to voting. Right, well, like, you know, we have Best Film and Best TV Show, which are kind of obvious, and then Best DVD or Blu-ray. Um and like this year's categories are things like uh, Brides, Brides of Dracula had a great Blu-ray. Um, Curse of Frankenstein was restored in a way, and that's a nominee. Frankenstein, the true story, that NBC show, the whole three-hour version is out now. 
uh, Mystery of the Wax Museum, which was restored, the color and War of the Worlds. You can no longer see the the wires when the saucers hit Los Angeles. Um, but then there are things like Best Restorations, Favorite Commentator. You know, every Blu-ray seems to have a commentator these days. It used to be rare just like three or four years ago. But um, right. with movies so easy to download, I think the companies have realized you got to give uh, people a little more. So, you know, there's a lot more commentaries on films. Best DVD Extras, the Best Independent Film. Best short film, best documentary, book of the year, um, as I said, best magazine, best article, best interview. Um, it goes on and on. There's like 30 categories. Um, we have best website, best podcast. Scary should be there. We'll try to get there next year. And we did a, <laughs> we did, um, a uh, best virtual event since there were no like actual conventions. Um, so oh, a lot of conventions did their content online monsterama in atlanta did a three-day online um share um the ray harryhausen it was his hundredth i think birthday this year right and they had all these plans to tour and have these shows instead they did a big uh global online event um things like that and one of the most controversial let's put it that way is a uh, favorite horror host um, as you guys know, the horror host community is hard to pin down. Oh, yes. When are they on? Are they on? You know. Um, and Dr. Gangrene won, won uh, early on. Count Gore has won. Penny Dreadful has won. A um, couple others. But for the last seven, eight years, Sven Gulli has been winning. Because um, he does have that show on MeTV while the other hosts are kind of online or, you know, right. on the Monster Channel, things like that. You only have to mention it one time and all of a sudden you've got thousands of extra fans who are aware of this. So I, I could see where there would be some, right. a little bit of controversy there. You always tell when he mentions it on the show that suddenly there's a bunch of hosts. Sure. There's a couple here that I'm very interested in. One is the Hall of Fame ballot. Right. And the other one is the Monster Kid ballot. That seems to be the most, shall we say, special of the awards. What are these two? Uh, Monster Kid of the Year, the Rondo Hatton Monster Kid of the Year Award, um, is our most prestigious award. And that goes to somebody who's just done something extraordinary for the hobby. Um, people like, uh, well, early on it was, uh, God, the names are escaping me. But um, people who, like, really did an extraordinary thing for um, DVDs or things like that. Um, so uh, Tim Lucas is one for all his work uh, on Video Watchdog and things like that. Uh, Rick Baker won, um, things like that. Okay. And then the Hall of Fame is more traditional. Zachary Farsh Ackerman, Ray Harryhausen. Um, the people who have just are legends in this industry. Right, but not like Boris Karloff or Vincent Price. This is more, the Rondos are more about the second wave of monster kids from the 60s on. Um, not, you know, just actors and, and directors. Sure. So James, James Whale's not in it. Those kind of people are not in it. 
Uh, that segues into a really the the next question I had was what qualifies for a classic horror award or to be under consideration for the rondos? Is there a various is there a specific time frame in mind? Well, when we started, it was like classic horror. It was like the universe, as you mentioned, the Universal's Hammer, um, Psycho, maybe. Um, but it soon hit us on the head as voters had their own ideas. You know, if you're 30 years old, Friday the 13th is a classic horror film. I mean, that's 40 years ago. That is true. So all those films from the 80s, which, you know, were kind of a bit a bit more gore than classic horror. You know, there was a, I can't think of a universal film that shows any blood. Um, but that whole wave of 80s and 90s films are now like really, uh, they get a lot of write-in votes and things like that. And sometimes we get accused of you've got to update what you're doing because, um, you know, the 30s are a long time ago now. <laughs> 80 years, wow. You don't think about it in those terms, but that's 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 fact. So the awards are going on right now. They started a couple of weeks ago, and they run through, I believe, April 25th. Is that correct? Right. And I believe the website is rondoaward.com. Not awards, but award, singular, dot com. So is it just a matter of you just go on the site and you pick and choose what you want and then you email yourself. I believe it. That's what it looks like to me. It's just that simple. Yeah. Um, you just go to rondoaward.com or you can go to the classic horror film board, but rondoaward.com is, is easier. Um, and there's a long ballot and you can cut and paste it and put it into an email or you can just type out, um, you know, what your choices are, you can vote in one category, you can vote in 30 categories, whatever you want to do. Um, we ask that there's one vote to a person, although that's hard to legislate sometimes because a lot of people have different emails. Sure. Um, and we're often asked why we don't go to SurveyMonkey or those kinds of things where you just click. Um, but one of the strengths or the weaknesses of the Rondos are it isn't like we cut it down to five nominees it's like in books it's like 32 nominees with a description of each one um and part of that is just me i kind of like compiling it <laughs> um and if you try to put that into survey among these there's like best covers there's art um if you try to put that into a digital world it it has its own problems it's endless clicking and uh and scrolling. So we just figured, let's just keep it as this big clunky thing that also keeps kind of the interlopers away. I think what it does is it makes the people who have a true passion for this work for it. And, you know, anything that's worth doing is worth doing well. And, and like you said, it keeps the interlopers out from just click, 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 click and skewing <laughs> results or <laughs> loading up year, their friends. We had suddenly... You know, I said we got 4,700 votes last year. Um, suddenly, we got literally 3,000 votes from a – there's a software like that's designed for American Idol and things like that, where for, you know, five bucks, you can buy 300 votes, and for 50 bucks, you can buy – and we got all these votes for this one thing, which I've never said what it was, but um, – and it was like, what is this? And um, we ended up throwing out those votes that it go went against the rules, which are no sure. duplicate votes, no organized voting. 
Um, but it was a little scary because it is, you know, like everything in the digital world, it's vulnerable to, uh, you know, right. Mischief. But, um, we don't have that this year. Happily. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Now there are people who, you know, who, who stretch the rules a little. Um, and that's okay. I mean, if you have, it's perfectly fine to ask somebody to vote for you. Um, it's not as fine to like send them a ballot and say, just send this to Tarico, which is the email. Um, you know, I'd like people to put some individual thought into it, but, uh, you know, it's enthusiasm. I'm at, I'm at this other end of this enthusiasm coming at me and it's really, um, heartening that, that there's so much energy and, um, and embrace of what, you know, a lot of people think is this age old field that's dying and it isn't at all. (laughs) You know, there are more monster magazines now than there ever have been. Nice. Now with this being the 19th year, will there be a special something going on for the 20th anniversary? Well, my wife, um, she says, can't we switch the certificates? <laughs> because, you know, we have somebody who casts the mob, the, the bust, but I, my wife, Eileen, she paints each one and um, details it. And um, I don't know for the 20th. I've been thinking that maybe we should wind down, but um, it's still going stronger than ever. So as long as we can keep doing it, we, we'll do it. I think that having this double year this year will, will um, set the stage for next year, perhaps. Sure. Well, that address, once again, is Rondo Award, R-O-N-D-O, award.com. Uh-huh. Go in there, check out the all the ballots and all the nominees for all the categories if you're a fan of classic horror. And if you listen to this show, chances are you are, at least in a, a point to that. You can vote through April 25th at midnight, and I'm assuming that's East Coast time because you're on the East Coast. It's midnight wherever you are. Oh, okay. Midnight wherever you are. David Colton, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here on The Big Scary Show. I wish the Rondos again nothing but success, and here's for many more years of the Rondos. Thank you so much. It's great to be on The Big Scary. It is absolutely our pleasure. So once again, folks, rondoaward.com. Go check them out. Cast your ballots for all the different categories. And when will the winners be revealed? Uh, usually that week, it usually takes me five or six days because I, I post uh, the winners with art and things like that. So usually, uh, by May 1st. Fantastic. We will certainly make a mention of that on the show when those winners are, are announced. David Colton, thank you for taking the time to speak with us here on the big scary show. My name is Drew Badger and we'll be right back. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their nightmares come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites, spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits, we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. 
Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so in the news this week we have a little tidbit. You've probably seen it bouncing around on your social media this week. It's a picture, and it's a for sale sign at the end of a long driveway in a wooded area, and it's got a nice, you know, red and white for sale sign. But right above it is the rider that says, Not Haunted, which is absolutely fantastic, and something we all look for is, you know, ooh, them trying to say the house is not haunted, because obviously it's definitely haunted. So this happened, in reality, in a uh, town just west of Boston. And it's pretty cool because nobody knew about it. Yes, one lady you know, was walking down the street and noticed the sign on her neighbor's house with the Not Haunted Rider. Really confused, you know, had her husband, they both checked it out and were like, oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing that that sign's actually there. So they actually called the real estate company and asked about the not haunted um, indication on the sign. They had no idea it was even there. That's right. They didn't put that not haunted sign there. (laughs) So this is absolutely fantastic. and, And, you know, probably guerrilla marketing or just somebody having some fun. But, you know. Slapping a not haunted sign on a real estate sign to obviously get it to, you know, question if the thing is haunted. If you look at it, it is a spooky driveway. You don't even see the house. But obviously this is, you know, this is something you're driving up to like a Stephen King movie or something for. You know, wooded area, hill, you know, New England. So everything in New England is haunted. So it doesn't matter anyway. I mean, everything's, there's burial grounds everywhere. So... You absolutely can't beat it. But the fact that somebody is now investing money in these, you know, little signs that go on the top of it, you know, normally has the real estate person who's selling the place or, you know, you know, a pool or, you know, extra bath or four bedroom or something on the top. But they're going around putting not haunted ones out there. Absolutely fantastic and fun, but uh, it'll probably get used up real quick. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free.
And ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've been listening carefully to the past couple of shows, especially the last one, because it is time for the March edition of the Gruesome Giveaway, sponsored by our very good friends at Screamline Studios. Visit ScreamlineStudios.com and go and just just go wild with your shopping because they got a ton of great stuff. So if you remember, last show we asked a question. We got a bunch of responses. We picked a random entrant out of the responses. I believe we have that person on the line, potential winner. What is your name? Where are you located? My name is Nikki Spahn, and I am located in Marion, Ohio. Marion, Ohio. Not too far out of Columbus. Nope, not too far. Okay, and just for the sake of full disclosure, we do know each other. We've met a few times. That's at, correct. At, at a couple of trade shows and things. But your yep. name your name was randomly selected, so we went from there. So, Nikki, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to ask you a couple of quick legal questions. Question number one, have we contacted you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No, you have not. All right. Question number two, have you tried to bribe us in any sort of way to pick your name? No, I did not. All right, fantastic. Well, Nikki Spahn of Marion, Ohio, if I recall the question correctly, I don't have it in front of me. The March question was, during the last roundtable, Ed Douglas raved about a particular song that was on Gavin Gosk's Subtle Inversions EP. What was the name of that song that he just absolutely loved? The name of the song was Sleepless. And you are absolutely right. It was Sleepless, and you can find that online if you give that a listen. I'm sure you will like it as much as I did or Ed Douglas. But the big news is congratulations to Nikki Spawn of Marion, Ohio. You are the March Gruesome Giveaway winner. Yay! Always glad to have that enthusiasm there. Now, Nikki, because I do know you, I do know you are involved slightly in the industry. Tell us what you're up to. Yes, I'm a, a part of the committee that puts the Ohio Halloween and Haunters Convention on. It's in uh, Ohio. You can find us at www.ohiohhc.com, or you can also find us on Facebook. Excellent. That, that show is not happening this year, correct? That's correct. We are starting to plan for 2022, though. Oh, man, I can only imagine how great that's going to be, and I, I'm pretty sure somebody from the Big Scary Show will be there to represent. Now, Nikki, if you'll stay on the line for just a moment so we can get some shipping information, and I want to congratulate one more time Nikki Spawn of Marion, Ohio, the March Gruesome Giveaway winner. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Nikki. Hold on the line here, and again... Could not do this without the very fine folks from Screamline Studios, who I also believe are based in Ohio. So go to ScreamlineStudios.com. If you didn't win this time, you can pick out something from their extensive catalog. Or you can try again in April because we give prizes away every single month here on The Big Scary Show. And 
ladies and gentlemen, that music you're hearing does signify that you are listening to the Round Table of Terror here on the Big Scary Show once again, as we have done for many, many years. We are counting down towards our ninth anniversary coming up in just a few short weeks. Can you believe that? Wow. And one of the things that we love to do and have done over the past nine years, of course, one of our main things besides roundtables is visiting conventions, you know, with the big trade show in St. Louis and Midwest and West Coast and all the horror cons out there. And, you know, there was East Coast and National and Canadian, which are no longer with us. HauntCon, so many other conventions out there. All four of us have gone to just numerous ones, interviewed lots and lots of great people, celebrities, vendors, too many people to count, actually. But every now and then, we like to look out there and we see that new conventions spring up from time to time. And we have found a trio of people now who are in either their first or second year of putting on a convention. We thought we would talk to them, give them a chance to tell us what they're all about. And who knows, in 10 or 20 years, maybe these will be some of the largest conventions in the country. And uh, they all sound very interesting for many different reasons. So let's talk to some brand new convention owners out there. Uh, we'll start in Chattanooga, Tennessee with Matrotham Con, which is a multi-fandom convention with a very interesting theming set to us. We've got Mark Norwood with us. Mark, are you there? I'm here, Drew. Oh, very nice to have you here. We'll talk about your show in just a moment. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Also going into their second year, someone who's been on the show once or twice, we have Stephanie Freeze with the Carolina Fear Fest. That'll be going on in Raleigh, North Carolina over Memorial Day. Stephanie, are you there? Yes. Hi. How are you? Excellent. Your home is just outside Fayetteville. Is that correct? Uh, yes. I'm, I, I live between Fayetteville and Raleigh, so we, we thought Raleigh was a, a good location to put in a new con. So. Excellent. And can't disagree with you there. And going into their first year... The gentleman we've had on, you know, just a few weeks ago on the news talking about this, but we wanted to expand upon it. We have Paul Lanner with Haunters Against Hate, who is ironically named Haunters Against Hate. The event is happening in Louisville, Kentucky this summer. Paul, are you with us from your home in Lexington? I am here. Always good to speak to you, sir. We've had you on just a few weeks ago, but we will elaborate in any new news you have coming down the pike every we also want to uh, introduce our host. Unfortunately, Storm cannot be with us tonight. He is under some family obligations. He's normally, normally with us, but not this time. So we will go straight to Meat Hook Jim in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to seeing conventions again. It has been too long. Oh, absolutely. And up in Columbus, Ohio, we have the Metalist Jerry Vane. So you mean to tell me all these people on my screens actually exist? Oh, crap. <laughs> my name is Drew Badger. I'm down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we did have somebody representing the Idaho Haunters Halloween and Haunters show that would be coming up this summer. But unfortunately, they had a medical emergency. They could not be with us tonight. So we will have them on at a later date. But uh, let's start with Mark. Mark, you've got Matrotham Con, which I assume is a mashup between Gotham and Metropolis. You're a multi-fan fandom type convention, but yet uh, from what I understand, you pick a 
theme every year, and this year your theme is horror. So that's why we wanted to talk to you. Can you elaborate a little bit about what MetrothamCon is all about? Absolutely. Um, as you said, you know, MetrothamCon is a multi-fandom pop culture convention. And, you know, every year we, we do a different theme and we will carry an element of that theme moving forward for every show moving forward. So this year's horror theme. So next year we'll still have an aspect of horror as well. Next year is 80s. And then the year after that, we'll still have horror 80s. We'll keep a part of each theme um, every year moving forward. And um, some of the things that we have going on this year is we'll have a haunted attraction. It's going to be like a little walkthrough uh, haunted museum. That's a part of the convention. We'll have uh, escape rooms as well. We have a ton of um, celebrity guests that are from, you know, the, the horror community. Um, and I can go through some of those if you would like. Um, starting with Lisa Wilcox. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but she was Alice from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5. Those are my favorite ones. Um, Alice is pretty um, bad A in those movies. So she'll be there uh, for the whole weekend. We got Andrew Bernarski, who was Leatherface in the, I guess it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the beginning, the, the two newer ones, not the most recent one, but the ones before those. He's also in the program, uh, Any Given Sunday, Batman Returns, all kinds of stuff. Um, we've got Bai Ling, who um, was in The Crow, if you guys remember that. She was in Wild Wild West, uh, Crank. So she's a fantastic guest. If any, all, any music fans out there, we've got the co-founder of Megadeth will be in attendance. So David Ellison will be there. Um, all three days. So that's pretty cool. That's that's where the multi-fandom aspect kicks in. Um, we also have some anime uh, voice actors. So um, kind of pulling a theme from year one, we were anime themed. We've got Vic Mignogna. Um, a new guest who we haven't announced yet, but I'll go ahead and tell you guys here first. Um, Kevin Sorbo, we just locked him in today. That's, that's Hercules from, I guess, the Legendary Journeys of Hercules, the TV show. Uh, he was on Andromeda and, and so many other things. Um, so our, our guest list, there's several more. It, it's fantastic for a second year convention. Um, last year was tough having to postpone. We were originally slated for May 1st through the 3rd. Uh, of course, with the pandemic, you know, we didn't feel it was safe to put on a show. So we postponed. Um, we did, however, do a virtual con. Um, which was very successful. We had several um, anime voice actors in attendance and we did live meet and greets and they signed autographs and we mailed those out to attendees. Uh, we also had a lot of panel content. Um, and then we did a one day pop up. It was like a vendor day, community day in downtown Chattanooga outdoors. Um, we had about 400 people in attendance. That was um, in October, close to Halloween. So yeah. It, even though we didn't have a show last year, we still um, made our presence felt. Wow. I used to work for Comic-Con uh, in San Diego from 89 to 2004. Yeah. And this sounds like Comic-Con without the comic books. Right. What, I mean, what, I'm, I'm listening to who you're bringing in. I'm like, dude, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. I totally want to go. And that's the thing. You know, we want it to be all inclusive. I want people from all demographics to come in and enjoy themselves. We've got, it's family friendly during the day. We have adult content at night. Um, the guest list is great. The events that we have are great. Um, 
and we really made a, a step forward from year one. We were at a, um, it was at a, a small venue and now we're at the convention center in downtown Chattanooga. Um, so we really took a step forward and that's somewhere where we can grow into it. Um, and we just want to keep building this thing. And each year, like I said, we have a different theme. Year three is Revenge of the 80s. Year four is We Love the 90s. Year five is The Reunion. Year six is going to be a wrestling show. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, you know, wrestling, you know, back in the day of Hulk Hogan and um, Ultimate Warrior and all that stuff. So we'll put on a, a wrestling show that year, but we'll keep all the the aspects that, that make us multi-fandom. Um, you had me at Batman, so... Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure Jim is already looking at his calendar for year six. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a, I have a huge uh, supporting cast. I mean, my volunteers are fantastic. I've got 120 of them. They work year round. We, we work our butts off, you know, before COVID we were at an event every single weekend. We do a weekly live show on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel. We have a gaming channel. We do a podcast. Uh, we do everything we possibly can to to get the name out there. That's for sure. Very nice. Very thorough. And I love the fact that you're transitioning a portion of last year's into the next year's and into the next year's and into the next year's. So yeah. that, that that's really cool. Uh, Stephanie, how about you? I attended Carolina Fear Fest. It's debut year. Had a great time. And you had a lot of good guests at that point. You had some great vendors. You had wrestling going on at that show. You did, yeah. um, any of those things coming back? Any new guest announcements or anything like that? Or what is Carolina Fear Fest all about? And, and of course, will there be wrestling again? Mm. <laughs> well, we, we have no plans for wrestling this year. Um, it was kind of a one-off that we did, actually, because we had Tyler Maine coming in. Uh, we were able to, you know, kind of loop in with a, a local wrestling um, group. And, and so we, we were able to put on some demos and do some things there. Um, we are scaling back for this year in some respects because we wanted to be able to spread out and ensure distancing. So I wasn't really sure I had room to drop a, a, a wrestling ring, ring in there. Um, but we we have a, a this big giant building. The Jim Graham building is like 100,000 square feet. It's just this huge venue. And in 2019, in our debut year, we were already kind of spread out. And our first year attendance was pretty pretty good for a first year show, but um, we already had distancing folded in with the big giant building as it was. We were, keep telling people we were COVID before COVID was cool, you know, with the distancing, but um, you know, we have a lot of good plans for this upcoming year. Um, we are kind of trying to squeeze 10 months worth of planning into three. Um, so it's a little interesting to get it done, um, but we have some great guests planned. We have um, Naomi Grossman from uh, Pepper from American Horror Story. Um, Felissa Rose is coming in and we're actually doing a couple of uh, film debuts and uh, screening premieres at the Alamo we've partnered up with so we don't have to try and squeeze them into our building and seating. And she's in actually both of those films, both regionally, um, regionally done films. Um, we have Dave Sheridan coming in. He's also in one of those films and um, Damien Maffei, we've announced. Uh, so we get a little bit of our newer horror in for him. And he is uh, from Strangers Pray at Night and uh, a little bit newer of a film. Um, Rob Mello, who is uh, apparently a fantastic guest. I haven't gotten to meet him yet. Um, he was our, our killer in the Happy Death Day franchise. 
Um, and I mean, one that we are, are just about to announce um, is Brian Krause, and I'm really excited, really excited to meet him. Um, anybody that was a Charmed fan from back in the day, that's Leo from the show. Um, but it's it's really interesting to look at his credit list too. He's got a whole lot of horror, a whole lot of independent horror that he's done. So it's, it's gonna be fun to meet him. And one big one that if I had the contract, I'd let you know early, but I'm still waiting. I've gotten the verbal, but um, we're, we're really excited to kind of ramp up our guests a little bit and bring in um, some, some new folks. And we have Ver um, Veronica Carlson. She was in the Hammer film, so back in the 70s. And we really like to, when we're curating our guest list, we would like to make sure that we hit TV, we hit movies, we get old school classics. So CJ Graham, we've got Friday the 13th franchise, we've got new films, um, get a nice mix of, of women in horror and across the different decades and different mediums. And we like to do that with our vendor list too. I'd love to say I curate my vendors. I've just lucked into some amazing people. Um, but we like to make sure that we have people that do, you know, handmade art and, and crafts and, and writers and oddities. And our tagline is celebrating all things horror. So we try and actually have that go across the whole spectrum of what we do. We have panels that run the gamut of different, uh, different things. We try and show different kinds of films and celebrate the TV and the music and just everything that we can to try and, um, really pull all of that, the whole genre together, no matter how you find it out there. And uh, this year we had, um, <clears throat> we have plans we're still uh, talking to and trying to finalize, trying to bring some gaming companies in, because actually the Raleigh area is, is huge for uh, gaming developers and publishers, and so we're trying to get some folks in, see if we can't get some live sanitizable between guests, <laughs> but some live you know, actual gaming, let people do some trials or set up a few tournaments. We had a huge gaming thing planned, um, actually board games and tournaments and the whole thing going all weekend. That was our 2020 plan before our, our plans got changed on us. So we just didn't feel we could bring that whole scope back yet, but we're trying to still integrate the gaming aspect of it as well. So just trying to kind of go across the board with it and is something that'll be for everybody. If you're a horror fan of any kind, there's there's a piece of it there, but hopefully you also find something new. Um, and we've also got our art because we did this our first year, a local artist and we had them do our official art for the year. And we have another um, local North Carolina artist that has done our artwork for 21. And luckily he uh, hadn't finish that and it doesn't say 2020 <laughs> he was able to stop that which was good um but it's it's a fabulous piece he works in um pencil I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what he's able to do um but we're trying to try and keep that going too just you know kind of celebrating our our local and regional artwork we're kind of positioning ourselves as a good size regional con and so it's nice to pull on our regional talents for film and and art and, and uh, try and keep that sort of homegrown aspect to it as much as we can as well. Very nice. You said the Jim Graham building, that's on the North Carolina State Fairgrounds, correct? Yes, yes, which is nice. We have a big giant building with all the free parking you could possibly want. Um, it, it doesn't have the hotel attached, so you can't climb up to your room afterwards, but um, 
there's so much to offer in that area. So, you know, restaurants, we've got some paranormal pub crawls going on, some after hour films, the ability to go to a number of places and do parties once we're allowed to gather to that level again. So nice. we're, we're, we're really excited about what the area can provide. Absolutely. It was, it was a fun show when me and my kids were there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Naomi Grossman. Um, she's an absolute joy to work with. Um, I'm, Drew and I actually met her at Halloween Extreme back in 2013 in Florida. In a hot tub, no less. <laughs> I didn't make it to the hot tub. Oh, I did. That was, that was fun. <laughs> but in 2014, we, uh, my wife and I were at the Canadian Haunted Attractions Conference and we did a wedding ceremony there, and she was my best woman. Oh, <laughs> oh that's awesome. So she's, she's, she's a great person. She really is. You, you will love working with her. So, Paul, you know, we had you on the show a few weeks ago on Big Scary News. So hopefully some of the questions will not be redundant too much. But I know you've had some updates since we've talked last for um, – you know, a first year convention, you're, you're going big, you know, go big or go home. I always hear, but tell us about haunters against hate, what it's going to be, what's going to be going on for you, well, for your show. Basically what I'm doing, I mean, haunters against hate has been in existence now for almost five years. Um, and what I wanted to do was merge the LGBT community with the haunt community, with the horror community under one roof and where everyone feels welcome, accepted, no judgments, and they could just be themselves. So I'm having a combo of haunted houses that are gonna have booths, horror merchandise and artists. And then I'm also having LGBT youth organizations there that can promote their organizations as well. Um, so it's kind of a merging of everything. And the ultimate goal is all the profits from it will be donated to LGBT youth organizations across the U.S. So that's pretty awesome. Um, the big thing, though, that I'm pushing is, as you know, there have been the Book of Haunters. I've had five volumes and a Book of Clowns. And the big thing is I put out to the people that have been in these books to come to the convention, almost like an alumni you can see behind me, that some of the guy people who are attending and I want to turn it almost into like people can get their books and they can have them autographed almost like yearbooks or playbills, something like that. And I I'm having lanyards made for the actors that the haunt actors so they can like hole punch which book they were in so people know. And celebrities, not too much yet. I'm having Lori Cardill, who was the star of George Romero's Day of the Dead. And I'm having her because I met her four years ago and I was wearing a Haunters Against Hate shirt and she asked me about it and I told her all about the organization and she was so enthused by it and we kept in touch through the years. And she always promoted on her social media and she wrote the introduction for volume five. So she will be at the convention. And then Ricky Vitas, who was one of the artists on Sci-Fi Space Off, who was transgender is going to be at the convention as well to do displays and also do a panel, a discussion about, well, actually I'm going to be having a panel about LGBT community and the haunt industry with different actors from different haunts across the U.S. and Ricky. Um, so that should be interesting. You know, it's just, there's been a lot of hate lately going on. 
um, especially in the industry against say transgender people. So I think it needs to be addressed and show how people have to be more accepting and how to understand. Um, it's important, it really is. And I, I mean, even I've been to conventions and I've had people look at my booth and like turn away and like snub me. And it's like, I'm not gonna let that happen at my convention with anyone. It's like, I want everyone to feel welcome. So that's the big thing. It's like, it's, you know, I sell the books online. I go to trans world, I do the t-shirt. So it's like the, the profits trickle in steadily, but slowly where with this event, I can raise hopefully a large portion of money and donate it to appropriate uh, organizations. So that was my big goal for this. So we will see what happens. I, I'm starting off with 65 boots and I only have what, about 10 left now at this point, which is great, which I'm really pleased for a first year event. So that's Hunters Against Tate, the event. Very nice. Uh, Mark, let's go back to you. Um, and this question will be for everybody. What does it take to put together a convention? I mean, there's got to be so much planning and so much work and so much this and so much that. How how difficult a job? I mean, is this literally a full-time job for somebody if they're just by themselves? Like, I, I have no clue how to how to even begin one. How, how do you get started in this? Um, I think the first thing, and I, I just recently had someone reach out to me who's looking to start a, a local convention um, in a city nearby. And the first thing I told him was, you got to have a vision first and then you need to have a plan on how you're going to execute that vision. Um, and then second, you need a venue. Um, you, you can't have a show without a venue. Um, so you got to search around your, your local communities, whether it be um, a hotel or a gymnasium or a convention center or whatever. Um, so you got to lock in your, your venue and then you got to have a supporting staff. You know, you got to have that support. One person can't do everything. Um, I'm I'm probably one of the, the rare people out there who gets maybe three to four hours sleep every night. So I, I do a lot of our stuff as far as um, running the website, doing all the social media stuff. I do a lot of our videography. Um, I book the celebrities, um, all that good stuff. But my, my staff, as far as spreading the word and, and getting the name out there, they go above and beyond. Um, those guys are out there every weekend, hitting the streets, you know, putting out the flyers, you know, getting the word out like, hey, this is going to happen this year. Um, but like you said, it, it is difficult. There's a lot of logistics that go into it. There's a lot of things that, you know, you may miss and that's OK. You know, you're not going to get everything perfect. Some things are going to come up during the actual weekend of the show and it's on how you handle it. Um, you know, there's celebrity contracts you got to sign, um, you know, you got to get versed in that stuff. You got to book flights, hotels, workout deals with, you know, um, local establishments. Like we feed all of our vendors. So I've got a lot of, uh, local businesses, local restaurants that donate food to us. So we are able to feed all of our vendors and staff and celebrities and all that stuff. Um, so the green room is open to vendors. Um, that's a nice touch. Vendors are, kind of the lifeblood of a convention. They pay for the venue, essentially. Um, so we wanna treat them with the utmost respect because without them, there wouldn't be a show. Um, so that's a huge thing. And vendors, you know, they talk. 
So if they don't have a good time or you're they're treated wrong at your show, they're going to tell all the other people and it, it can be, you know, damning to your show. Um, so we truly want to treat everybody um, as best we can. I have a celebrity handlers team. Uh, they hold weekly meetings. They know every single thing about every single celebrity that we have. They even know what candy bars they like. They're creating baskets, personalized baskets for every single celebrity that we have. They, I mean, those, those guys are fantastic. I just got off a call with them before this and they know their stuff and, you know, celebrities are huge. They talk too. Um, if they come and have a good time and they let's say they have a guarantee, maybe next time you want to bring them back, they had so much fun. They'll waive that guarantee. You know, it's all on how you treat people. Um, and, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Don't go into it expecting to make money. You're not going to do that. Um, it's it's not a you know thing where you're going to get rich overnight. I do it because I love doing it. I love providing a a meeting place, a gathering place for people who are like minded to make new friendships and to just have fun. And after the year we had last year, people need some fun in their life right now. Um, and we're going to do it as safe as humanly possible. COVID has added a whole nother element um, to that, you know, whether you're going to require masks, which we are, you know, limiting capacity to your vendor hall and your main event areas, um, doing temperature checks um, at your main entryways, having all the signage down, the floor stickers, um, spacing out your vendors, spacing out your chairs in your, your main stage area. Um, we even have like plastic microphone covers for every time somebody goes up, you know, a different person comes up, we change them out, sanitize the microphone. Um, we're limiting capacity. We're just going above and beyond with all that stuff. And, you know, it, you gotta have help. So that's a big thing too. If you're going to run a show or start a show, um, have your vision, have a plan, have a venue, have a supporting staff, and kind of expect to not make money because you're not going to do that. If you're doing this to make money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I love putting smiles on people's faces and, and watching them be like, man, I had so much fun at Con. That's, that's worth all the money in the world to me. Um, so that's why we do it. And like you there's a ton of work that goes into it. So. Stephanie, how about you? How difficult was it to uh, start off year one doing this and versus say this year now that you had at least a year and, and an additional year to prepare for it it's uh definitely the first year is a little difficult because you're new and you're trying to prove yourself so you have vendors asking a lot of questions do they want to invest in you and give up a weekend to come and sell at a show that's an unknown um the celebrity same concept you know just everybody was far more uh, kind of strict on those guarantees um, we, you know, more concerned about them for a first year show. So, cause you don't have, there's just too many unknowns. Uh, same thing with the second show following on COVID. There's still a lot of unknowns and that is playing in with people a lot. Um, but Mark was absolutely right. Um, if you're going to do this right, you have to plan on not making any money on it. Um, you know, the goal is to just make break even and have enough to do another year. That's all you're really really looking for. Um, but it's the feedback that I get from, well, you know, like he said, not just the people that had a great time when they were there, but feedback from 
some of our celebrities last time, um, some of the vendors, you know, changes that we've made. Uh, so for instance, with our vendors, because we were changing the floor layout, there's no corners anymore. Uh, everybody gets a corner. I'm spreading you all out. I see no, it, to me, it doesn't make sense and it's not fair to charge a premium upcharge to those vendors to get something I'm giving to everybody. So when I put my email out and said, there's no more corners, and if you've already paid me, I'll refund you. And I get emails from, or phone calls from vendors going, this is why I'll always do your shows because you're, you're fair with us and you're upfront with us and you're not trying to put ridiculous numbers on, on the values of things. And, you know, we would rather let them come on board and grow with us um, and, you know, as we go and everybody's happy. Celebs the same way. I, one of their folks last year actually said to my husband on that weekend that I, your wife, I've seen her 20 times today, 20. Usually running past me at speed with a clipboard in her hand, but I've seen her. And she stopped at my table at least twice today and said, how you doing? You okay, you need anything? And she said, I can't tell you how many shows that I don't see the con, the showrunner, I don't see the people in charge unless they're over at the big celebrities table and they don't even speak to you the entire weekend. And to me, that doesn't make sense. They gave up their weekend to come in and help my show. So everybody gets welcomed. I don't get that, but um, you know, so it's, it's just finding that different approach and, and making sure you're doing a show that you can be proud of uh, regardless of the size and you know, just preparing for everything. A con isn't much different than a lot of other events. Um, you have, the logistics planning is the same kind of across the board. Um, but it's just at the end of the day, do I feel like I treated everybody fairly and everybody had a good time? And, you know, did we put on a good show? We did everything we could do to make it what we wanted it to be. And then, you know, kind of grow from there. Um, and I, yeah, the COVID adds a whole, like he said, a whole new layer to the planning. It changes, it changes a lot. Um, I, I don't want to put in so many restrictions that people can't gather and have fun but at the same time you don't want it to be perceived like we're those greedy people after a dollar and that's the only reason we're doing the show so it's it's a huge balancing act and making sure people can be safe um and, and i'm going to get yelled at either way so i you know <laughs> if i don't require enough i'll have people yelling at me that i'm doing too little if i I'll still have somebody complain that I'm going to make them wear masks. I know it's going to, it, it, that's kind of the way it is. Um, just try and make as well-rounded an event as you can so that you can, everybody can find something about your event that they truly enjoy. Very nice. Paul, I know this is your first year, so we haven't really seen how things have reacted and what the people who attended, well, I'm sure we'll find out after the event, but how long were you thinking about putting on a convention and how was the logistics for your event? Um, I started thinking about this last year uh, during lockdown when we're all locked down in COVID. I was thinking about, you know what, maybe it's time to take Hunters Can Say to another level and create an event that I could have people come to. And, and like you said, I want everyone to feel welcome, to feel comfortable, to enjoy themselves. I don't know if there will be a profit and it may be a small profit, but like I said, it's not coming to me. I don't want it. This is going to organizations. I, I am not in this for the money. 
I do not want to be in this for the money. That's not what it's about. It's about helping people. When I get an email from, you know, someone who's 14 years old saying she met me at Trans World and just by me giving her a pin changed her life and made her feel good about how she was. That's what it's all about to me. And another big thing that, you know, aside from the haunts that are going to be there from the horror merchandise vendors, which I'm so excited for. I know a lot of them from previous conventions, having met them. So it's almost like a family, which is great. Um, but I'm having a special award show. And one of the awards is the Haunters Against Tate Jesse McDonald Memorial Award. And this was an actor who was with Zombie Army Productions. And he went in for surgery last year and due to complications passed away and he was he was been in two of my books and he, we've chatted quite a bit we never met but we conversed quite a bit and you know I want to show heart so I'm creating this memorial award and it's going to be presented to someone in zombie army productions and I even got his mother to come to the event she's going to present the award so it's going to be pretty emotional for sure and she doesn't know this yet but a lot of the actors from zombie army are coming and her son used to carry around a bat and they laminate it with everyone's signature and they're gonna surprise her with it, which is awesome. Now, so, and there's gonna be also, I'm giving a Haunters, Haunters Against Hate Haunter of the Year Award to a haunter that's based out of Wisconsin who stood up to religious fanatics that were outside his haunt, protesting and, you know, signs everywhere. And he stood up to them in his costume with a cowbell ringing it and did that week after week until they finally left. And I felt that was worthy of getting the Haunter of the Year Award because you're showing what Haunters Against Take is all about. So yes, it's wonderful. I'm having these vendors, I'm having the haunts, I'm having a few celebrities, not many, but to me, it's more about the haunters and the actors and making them realize that they are their own, they're celebrities unto themselves. I want them to feel welcome. So, but it's daunting. It's definitely daunting. Um, you know, you do one thing and five more things pop up that you have to do. And it's challenging, but I, I'm so used to being a control freak that, but I'm not, I've doled out responsibilities to the appropriate people. So I'm not overwhelmed by it. So, you know, the hotel and all the booking, I have a friend who runs events and he helped me with that. I have people setting up the stage for me. Um, one of one of the people who works at, I think, Horror Hound, who's dealt with celebrities, he's going to be handling Lori Cardill and stuff like that. So I'm doling it out. So I'm not. I'm hoping not to be super overwhelmed because I want to be able to go up to each vendor, chat with them, and converse with them, and welcome them into this first time event. Because you're right, it's it's a risk. They don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go. We'll see. But I, it's something I felt like I had to do. Absolutely. I want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show with our very special guests, Mark Norwood, Paul Lanner, and Stephanie Freeze, along with our usual host, Minus Storm. We are going to take a very short break right here, and we'll be right back. It's back. It's bigger. And it's better than ever. Transworld's Halloween and Attraction Show is back at the America Center in St. Louis, May 6th through the 9th. 
You've been waiting patiently through all the classes, seminars, special events, and of course that trade show floor filled with all your favorite and many brand new vendors. With wider aisles for social distancing, a mandatory mask requirement, and all COVID protocols in effect, as determined by the City of St. Louis and the State of Missouri, Transworld will be bigger, better, and safer for everyone. But what about the Christmas show? Transworld's Christmas show will be co-located with the Halloween and Attraction show, as well as the Room Escape Conference, catering to the Room Escape, virtual reality, and adventure game industries. So what are you waiting for? Get to HAAShow.com and get registered today. HAAShow.com and we'll see you in St. Louis. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror with our very special guest, Stephanie Fries from the Carolina Fear Fest, Mark Norwood from MetrothamCon, Paul Lanner from Haunters Against Hate, the event, our usual co-host, Minus Storm, and a question that I had for you guys, and let's start with Paul on this one. You're, you're fortunate enough to be holding this in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville has got a very large haunted house scene, and I would imagine that they are throwing behind a lot of their support. What has been the support system behind all of yours? I mean, Chattanooga, I don't know much about the haunt scene there. I know there's not a lot of professional, quote-unquote, haunted houses in the Raleigh area, but what has been your support system? Has it been primarily the horror fans? Has it been the haunted house community? You know, I know Paul is bringing in, you know, several haunted houses at his event that'll be putting up booths. Or have you reached out to your local haunted houses? I know Stephanie at Carolina Fear Fest, you had haunters there last year, but they weren't from Raleigh. They were from other parts of the state. But Paul, how about you? What has been the reaction and the support system that you've been getting when you first announced that this event Oh, uh, it was it, such strong support, and especially from the haunts that are members of Haunters Against Hate. And you're right, in Louisville, there is a big haunt community, and the haunts have jumped on board to be part of it and want to be part of it. In fact, one of the haunts will be hosting an after-hour party on Saturday evening for the event. And I have some. I have a haunt coming from Pennsylvania. Um, another one, I believe, from Ohio, and they've all gotten together and created a group a subgroup from Haunters Against Hate, the event. And they're talking about creating a walkthrough haunted house at my event that they will put together. And I'm like, that's fine. So the support has been amazing. It's really wonderful. And I'll keep reaching out to other haunts along the way um, and see how it goes. But I, I've been thrilled. I really have. There's haunts coming in from Indiana as well. Very nice. Now, Stephanie, I know that you had had some haunts, as we mentioned. Uh, what has been the reaction from the community at large? And, and what was the, the reaction from Raleigh? Because, you know, everybody seems to have those conventions up in the Charlotte area, thankfully. But uh, Raleigh had, had sorely been lacking. And then, you, you know, after year one, what was the reaction from the haunting community and, and the local community at large? Uh, I the horror fans are super excited. There's a lot of it's finally in my backyard um, because, you know, the nearest one, you've got scares that care up in Virginia. You've got a couple that have hit the Charlotte area, go down to Atlanta. By the time you take the entire weekend and get a hotel room and, and board the dogs to drive from the Raleigh area off to one of those other show areas, 
you know, you spent all your vendor fund money for the weekend. So a lot of people are very excited. I'm, I'm finding that a lot more of my sales are one day sales, uh, one day ticket sales, uh, because they're not having to travel in. They don't need to do the whole weekend thing. Um, so I, I'm, I am finding that, but on a normal year, we just are trying to design our programming around having enough things sprinkled across a whole three day period that it's, even if you're local, still justified to want to come. Um, the haunts though, I mean, we've got a haunt of our own uh, that we also do in the fall, which is why I do my spring horror show. Um, the, the haunters, some of the, the bigger haunts in North Carolina come and have a presence. They bring their characters out and have them stalking around. And um, they, they really enjoy being there because it's a gathering of our community. And, and it's, it's nice for the haunts to go to a horror con, specifically because you know every single person that walks through that door is likely a good customer for you. Um, we do market for our, our haunt at some of the comic cons in the area. And you get a lot of people that you ask them if they're a horror fan, they go, oh, no, no, God, no, I don't go to haunts. I don't do that. So it's a little bit, you know, you got to kind of find your, your crowd in that type of an environment. But, you know, at a horror con, it's pretty well built in and they really have fun. Um, we had plans to do a whole, get the haunters together and, and COVID actually brought a lot of us together um, on Facebook, a lot more talking and working how we were going to make this stuff work. So, you know, we've got a lot more connections with a lot of haunters. And my plan was to try and kind of just have one whole aisle of, of the horror con just be nothing but characters. So you kind of have to run the gauntlet to get through there and let, you know, just let them have a little bit of fun and, and really turn it loose. Um, I, we just, with, you know, with COVID, we kind of put that off to the side. So in future years, we'll probably try and boost that, that haunt presence up um, quite a bit if we can. So now, Mark, last year you your first year was an anime-based convention. So I'm sure that you had the support of the anime community in the Chattanooga area. But as far as haunts go, I know there's a few in the area. I know that uh, you know Nashville and Knoxville and even Atlanta probably would people would travel to Chattanooga for things. But how has the uh, Southern Tennessee local community and the haunt community responded to Matrothamcon? So there are a ton of horror fans in this area, but there's not a lot of um, haunts. So there's there's not that many haunted houses to to go to during the season. And with that being the issue, we kind of are doing our own thing at the convention. We've created our own haunt with the assistance of um, a guy named Jeff Springer. He runs Lake Winnebasoka. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that amusement park we have here in the local area. But they do a um, like a haunted house during the season every year, and he runs that. So he's come on board to help us put on our haunt, and we'll continue to have our haunted attraction every year moving forward. So we'll keep that horror aspect. That's the one thing we'll keep moving forward. Um, All in Adventures, which is a um, an escape room company that's here um, local, is doing our escape rooms. They're all horror themed. Um, I've helped with the designs of those as well. Um, one thing that I thought touched on what Stephanie said, um, in our vendor hall, we've got what's called Sleepy Hollow, and I've got a, kind of like a, a valley where we've got all of our horror vendors. Um, we've got about 40 horror vendors. We've got 144 vendor spots in total. 
um, 40 of those being vent or horror based. Um, and they're all kind of there together. And I've told them go all out, you know, as far as the way they, they merchandise their booths and, and dress up in cosplay. So that's going to be a, a lot of fun. We're going to have a nice little arched entryway that kind of shows you like, Hey, this is the horror part of the vendor uh, floor. And that's kind of how we'll do it every year moving forward with our different themes. So we're, we're still multi-fandom, but a nice portion of our show is that theme. Um, but as, as far as local support, there's not a, a whole lot, um, just because there's not a lot in the, the local area. Um, there are several, several um, groups coming up that are from Atlanta. Um, I guess the, I'm not real knowledgeable on like the, the clown community, but there's several of those that are coming out um and support um but that's that's kind of the gist of our haunt and and the support in the the horror community okay i know that i was at a convention in knoxville for the last year or two and they have had a large clown contingency there yes and um you know i don't know if you've reached out to them or not but uh obviously um Paul, I know during the break you had a question for everybody that uh, you probably should revisit here because I think it's important to ask. My my question was how, you know, with COVID and with our conventions coming up and how things have been so fluid, how are we deal how do you deal with the vaccine rollout and how do you address that? And do you request people? Are you able to say, hey, have you had the vaccine? When but does that that oversteps boundaries and violations. So it's like, it's a very fluid situation. How is it addressed? Yeah. And, and I'll touch on what I said too, like as far as what we're doing at Metrotham con, we won't ask people if they've been vaccinated that, that touches into that HIPAA area. So we kind of want to stay away from that. Um, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things where we just got to follow all the mandates, be as safe as we possibly can. If anybody's showing symptoms or they're running a temperature, we need to ask them to leave, ask all the, the qualifying questions that, that lets them into your, your venue. You know, like if you go to, to an establishment and they're like, Hey, have you had any symptoms? You got to do those things. I think it's very important for a showrunner to make for sure in your clause that you put like, Hey, we're going to make this as safe as possible, but, you know, you're coming out, you could potentially be exposed to COVID that, and it's not, we're not liable for that. You know, you chose to come here because you do have to cover yourself and your show um, because the worst case scenario, you know, somebody contracts COVID and they, they try to sue your show. You know, that's a real life concern for a showrunner during COVID. Um, so you do have to address those things and make for sure people understand like, Hey, you're coming here of your own free will, everything, you know, in our clause or our, our guidelines says like, Hey, you're doing this at your own, uh, risk type thing. And, and, you know, just make it as safe as possible. That's all I'll say. And, and on the, the note of being your concern as a showrunner, and I do this with a number of events, I do it at my haunt I, and, and do it for the convention, especially with COVID, before you open, um, and if you have a show photographer, go through and take photos. Take photos of all your signs that are put up. Uh, take photos of your volunteers standing next to the, uh, you gotta wear a mask. All of your warning signs, 
photos that you put out, hand sanitizer stations, do those throughout the weekend. Um, you, you do that kind of thing because somebody could come back and say, well, I got COVID because they didn't do. But if you can show that you did all of the reasonable things that on that date were mandated and, and expected, um, it, it's helpful because it just helps to show you did the stuff. And you, you tend to on show day get more concerned with are the celebrities taken care of? Is everyone where they're supposed to be? Is everyone having a good time? And you tend to forget about that foundation piece of, you know, just making sure that, that yes, all of our ducks were in a row. We had all of our signs up, all of our things were where they were supposed to be. But, you know, we feel the same way. It's not appropriate for us to inject ourselves into somebody's vaccination plan. Um, it's not my concern whether they are had an opportunity to get vaccinated or medically shouldn't. And I, I can't get in the middle of that. They're going to make their own decisions with their own medical teams. Um, we're just going to go with the, you know, best safe practice of the day when it's time to open. Um, and if that involves wearing a mask, it involves wearing the mask. Um, we're already dropping verbiage with people like our vendors um, saying things like, and, you know, at this point we're expecting masks and you're being vaccinated doesn't relinquish your requirement to be, you know, the good social conscious human being to your fellow, your fellow man and do what we feel is the right thing. So um, I'm fully through both shots and, and vaccinated and I still pop that mask on my face when I go in the grocery store, when I go anywhere else and I'm expecting to wear it all weekend long. So um, it, it's, it's one of those things, it, it can't be too much to ask. So we're kind of hoping everybody just politely follows along with whatever the requests are. Any questions from the hosts? None? Hmm. I yeah, Jim, I, I figured you'd have something. Where's that sound effect at? <laughs> Or Storm. <laughs> yeah, Storm would have stuff. Unfortunately, he is, you know, not here, but uh, the marketing weasel. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good question. How are you guys marketing your your various haunts, uh, your various events? Are you marketing more to the horror community, to the haunt community, to anybody that's willing to buy a ticket? Um, I I'll go first. Since you know, we're we're multi-fandom. It's just everybody. We're just geared a little bit more towards uh, horror because that's our theme. Um, and as far as marketing goes, it, it's been very challenging to say the least. Like I said earlier, uh, pre-COVID, we were at an event every single weekend. We were at movie theaters set up advertising, uh, local establishments. We do a live show weekly every Monday at 8 p.m. on uh, Facebook Live. Um, that's one avenue that we use to, to market and advertise. Um, but with COVID, it's, it's different. You don't have those events to go to and get your name out there, especially when you're a, a new convention. That's kind of what you need. You need that grassroots approach, you know, where you can get in front of people and have a conversation with them and get them excited about your event. And we've lost that. So really all we have is social media and flyer days and billboards and, you know, podcasts and, and things like that. We're so dependent on social media at this point. Um, and hopefully, you know, that, that works out. 
Um, but it, it definitely will hurt a lot of the smaller conventions to not be able to get out there and promote their show like they could in the past. So I do have a question for our guests and it regards the press. I mean, press that shows up to your shows. I mean, are you going to handle the press any differently? Or is it just going to be like you're handling everybody else at the show? I mean, the press obviously is going to have to wear their masks as well. Um, you know, being the three of us are the press, you know, and I may be attending Haunters Against Hate. Um, any special things for as far as get um, the press and interviewing people? Is there any type of, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, uh, special arrangements you're going to make for the press? Or is it just going to be like we've always done it at conventions? We're, we're planning on keeping ours pretty much the same. Um, a lot of our celeb Q&As, um, we're going to do, we're, we're actually live streaming our entire event um, with some pre-recorded content. But um, for our, our press pass people, you know, obviously a lot of them at this point have the microphone on a stick. They can do a little bit more interviews where they're not quite as close. And, um, and you know, that's just, Kind of our expectation and we're sending out a lot of <laughs> we're sending out a lot of our uh, press releases out so if we can pull in any of the you know more network stations out of raleigh and they want to come out um you know hopefully we'll be able to get them you know out on a bit of a schedule so that we can let them go in and film and do a few things where you know we can keep that distancing and everything in place uh, the only person that has a press pass currently that I'm putting any restrictions on is Drew, I'll be honest, um, because at my first show in 2019, he decided to interview me, but he waited until Sunday to do it. And at that point, I had lost my voice to the point where that whole interview was just, it was great. It was horrible, horrible. It was so, the best interview of the weekend. <laughs> you have the right to kick him in the junk if he does that again. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to talk to me earlier on before I've completely lost my voice. I tried to order pizza for all the volunteers and the staff and everybody for the for Sunday night afterwards. The woman at the pizza place said, hello. I opened my mouth. Not a single sound came out. And I just handed the phone to somebody else and just went. Just I, I couldn't. I couldn't do a thing. It was horrible. Um, but no, I mean, the other press regulations were not. I, we're not planning on changing anything. It hadn't really occurred to me because I know that they'll they'll come in and, and you know kind of play along they'll wear their masks they'll do what they need to do um, a lot of them come in and record so um, I, those are all professionals I actually hadn't thought too much about changing any regulations or, or policies for them so I'm certainly open to ideas okay that's a good question and I have thought about one aspect of it um, some of our press that that have come to the show or our one day pop-up events um they'll stop a celebrity like in the hallway and people will gather kind mm -hmm. of around them so we have a designated spot and times blocked off for any press to go and talk to any celebrities or, or anybody that they're wanting to interview and it's it's a separate room kind of off to itself where you know attendees can't gather around and and you know create a crowd because they're wanting to talk to the celebrity you know, while you're doing an interview or whatnot. So that's one thing, that's probably the one thing that will change a little bit. Okay, all right. Paul, being this um, is the first event, um, 
any different plans for press or? Right now, currently, the secretary of the board is working on getting press connections in Louisville to have them come. I am planning on, I've had flyers and cards made up and I want to distribute them to all the LGBT clubs and bars in Louisville and Lexington. And another, actually pretty big, uh, in a way they're press, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a nationwide organization. And each house has like, like for example, there's a Louisville house. So they're the Derby City Sisters and they will be at the event. The Lexington sisters who are known as the Kentucky Fried sisters will be there and they promote everything also. So, and they'll be there with, and whenever they're anywhere, they get press up the wazoo. Uh, if just, if you could Google them, look them up, you'll see why. I mean, it started back in the eighties because of the AIDS crisis in San Francisco and they've been going ever since. So I'm having lots of sisters there, but the secretary is working on getting some press and I'm going to reach out also to some of the LGBT magazines that are based out of Louisville and Lexington to see if they come, can come and cover the event as well. I know a conversation that I had with Stephanie after the, you know, after the first one for the second one, which unfortunately didn't happen last year, but an idea maybe for the two of you is to have a podcaster's row, so to speak, you know, a, a small area off to the side with maybe a few tables where different podcasts locally and otherwise can come in and, and interview people at either their table or at least they'll have access because, you know, as soon as you give that access or at least you announce that everybody who's got a podcast is probably going to come talking to you and say, hey, I'd like to have you on my podcast and talk about your show. And they all have built-in audiences, especially the local ones. So I think everybody wins at that point. You know, you, you've brought in some people who are absolutely going to give you some press. And they get the opportunity to, you know, talk to vendors, talk to celebrities, talk to whoever. So they have content. And um, maybe that is something you can pursue, if not this year, at least in future years. Yeah, something Definitely. that you know we did we did look at. <laughs> um, it's it's tough with our venue just because it's one big giant open space, so you don't get a lot of um, audio control very easily. But um, we're we're playing with it a little bit this year. Um, the other thing that I'm doing is limiting our our press pass. Um, the applications that we get for press, uh, we have like three or four groups that are coming in. Um, I will. I cut it off at that point, but I will allow more if it's, you know, say the local TV station that wants to come down and do a, you know, a quick happening this weekend kind of post, uh, you know, film something. Um, but those people I can control, they're going to come in for just a short burst, do a little film, interview one or two people and gone. So, you know, most of our going to run around all weekend long podcast folks like, like Drew will be there. No, that's a press pass for the weekend. And so he'll be able to run and get in there. But if he ends up um, in a situation with access to one of the celebs, I don't have a whole bunch of them coming to me and saying, I couldn't get to this person. I couldn't interview that person. And we can help facilitate things on the fly if we need to. And as we get bigger, there's plans to have an early entry kind of interview hour time, you know, so that they got a little bit, um, either the podcasters sit in spot in place and I sort of run celebs in there one at a time or, <laughs> or the ability to have my celebs only available for 
you know, kind of a breakfast hour just for our, our podcast and local press folks. Very nice. Okay. That's uh, that works out. I think that your idea, idea, Stephanie works out pretty well because, you know, during the conventions, the last thing that us as podcasters want to do is take away from the fans, which, it, you know, it seems to be, you know, sometimes that's the only time we can get a hold of them, but you know, the fans are more important than we are. And if we've just got that little bit of time to talk to them before the fans hit them, I think that works out well. We yeah. learned our, we've learned our, uh, um, lesson, you know, I mean, the amount of restraining orders we've gotten because of Drew is just getting stupid. So we, every time we send them somewhere, we have to send them with a, with a lanyard going, my lawyer said. That's why I'm only allowed to deal with certain people's handlers as opposed to, well, we won't get into that. But. Am I going to get you to perform, Drew? Apparently, we've lost Drew. <laughs> Are great to us, love to talk to us, and others. It's like, let's talk to my person first, and if I'm not busy, maybe I'll grant you a moment or two. But you know, that's what celebrities are there to basically meet fans and make money, and we do not want to detract from either of those. I don't think you heard what you said, Paul. Yeah. Are you going to uh, perform, Drew, at my oh. event? Oh, I, I unfortunately cannot be at your event because I'm I'm committed to a show in Virginia that weekend. Jim might be willing to perform. Jim has a couple of interesting characters. You gonna make me do that? Well, Jinx might uh, need to make an appearance, or Kinks might need to make an appearance. That's not a bad idea. Oh Lord, what have I started? Hey, hey, hey. I guarantee you, it'll attract press. <laughs> and yeah, and Princess Trainwreck will attract flies, but hey. Yeah, that's why Princess Trainwreck is not appearing at Haunters Against Hate this year. Maybe next year. We'll have to see. Well, I'm humiliating myself. There's five of us getting together, and we're going to be the Spice Bears. So <laughs> it should be interesting. <laughs> and, and with my drag name, which is Tulita Pepsi. So. Oh, God. <laughs> well, Kinks is my female clown character. Okay. That means there's, there's a story behind that, but we don't have to go into that. That means that. that's just him on Saturdays on a regular basis, <laughs> but whatever. It that's is it. Hamilton, Ohio. You never know. Um. <laughs> well, um, I, 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 I will say that um, one thing we didn't touch on, and, and Paul being new, I mean, you've got a lot of connections and networking that's working for you, and, and that's awesome. Um, another thing is, is, table trades with other shows. So providing a table space as an outlet for you to market your um, your event coming up or your organization, and then they can have a space at your show and it costs you what you are renting that table and skirting and stuff for. Um, it, it's it's very inexpensive. It, it shows that there's, there's plenty of room for all the conventions. So it's nice to work together with a lot of others. And having said that, mine runs what, two months before yours, and we're not that far from you out of Louisville. And um, again, we had Ricky in 2019, amazing, fabulous, fabulous guest. Um, we also have one of our panel plans, and we're still sketching that out for this year, but it's on the, on the list is actually have a professor at one of the universities here 
that wants to do a panel on on uh, transgender in horror. So, so some of the the way that that plays out in in I, I'm trying to remember exactly the 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 full scope of what the panel was about. Um, but again, I mean that's part of our whole. We like to touch on everything, and uh, we would love to have you. So thank you, you. absolutely. Um, Get me afterwards if it's something that you would like to to come out and have a, um, a you know a chance to set up and, and educate about. Not to mention our haunt in the fall because I hadn't really heard about haunters against hate much um, until Hunter, one of my haunters, actually brought it to my attention after appearing with you, and I I I think it's fabulous. So I, I'd love to layer it in where we can. Over the past almost five years, just by my T-shirts and books, I've raised. $30,000 for LGBT organizations across the U.S. So I've, I've definitely busted my butt over these five years, yeah. for sure. But it's interesting you say that because I actually thought about reading, reaching out to a woman named Jennifer, I think it's Jennifer, who runs CreepyCon in Knoxville, and asking if she wanted to have a booth at my event. So I that actually was in my head. So I think it's great that you brought it up. You, you will find some some are very very receptive to it others are not so much um we we actually buy a table a vendor space at other conventions just to get in front of the attendees um you know so sometimes it just becomes a marketing cost for you but if you can increase that network um it's it's certainly worth it because you there are fans that have never heard of your show um and it's a chance to get in front of them not okay. to mention that vendors too you know, if you are a vendor and you're attending the show in Chattanooga and you see that, oh, a month later, there's a show in Raleigh that I had not heard of. Here's an opportunity for me to vend my wares at this show and vice versa as well. So, you know, the cross promotion. Well, between vendors, oh, yeah. Know, and I, volunteers. I pulled some of my some of my greatest people that we sort of stumbled across just stopped and talked to us at a Comic-Con or, uh, you know, some other event that we had. And it's so, you know, I would have volunteers from that event run by and go, I just volunteered all of them. I love it. And they join up on our list too. It's just a, a great way to stay relevant and be out there. And the networking across the board is amazing, really. I have, oh, a, I of, great idea. I have a friend of mine who is almost a professional volunteer at this time. He works at you know, Mad Monster in Charlotte. He goes down to Days of the Dead in Atlanta. He does basically every horror con in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, anything he can drive through. If he has that schedule, he is volunteering for that show. So, you know, it, the the cross-promotion between the shows is just so important out there. And a, another aspect of that, too, it's it's really good to go to other shows and kind of get the pulse of attendees and vendors because they'll talk to you um you know and you can kind of see what works and what didn't work and you can kind of help yourself formulate a plan of like okay i i want to do this you know and there's nothing wrong with picking things out that work at other shows you can do that um there's nothing wrong with that and i, I would strongly advise that that will help you you know you know pick little bits and pieces from different shows that will help you know, improve yours. Yeah, especially if you're going to them um, and falling under the vendor category for their show. Now you get to see, well, they loaded us in and this was a nightmare. 
And I got no emails until the day before the show. And so there was no communication and different little aspects of the way they did it that you could see didn't work and you get to tweak and improve yourself that way as well. So I, that's a lot of my stuff went on the list because I went somewhere, experienced something that was awful. (laughs) And and the good thing, I, I like being able, like I, I vended at Days of the Dead, which was a horror con which a lot of horror people are very unaware of Haunter's Kids Tape because it's more geared to the haunted house industry. And I, a lot of people were intrigued by it and very supportive. So, and being able to explain what it was all about and what started and everything. And I didn't think I would do very well at a horror con and I ended up doing exceptionally well there. So, and the, and the thing I just did recently with a spate of t-shirts that I designed is I did movie homage t-shirts. So like an Evil Dead, Rosemary's Baby, The Craft, Hocus Pocus. And I could actually bring those to a horror convention because they would be popular, I think. Other suggestion for you, if you know you're going to a show and you're designing t-shirts, make sure you design something out of the franchise that some of those guests have been in um, because that way they have the opportunity to buy a t-shirt from you that they can then go have signed. from that celeb from that is attached to that movie. And so anywhere you can do those tie-ins are also very popular too. I did it with Elvira. I gave her one of the Haunters Good State shirts. She wanted one. And the thing is, I would love to reach out to her to come to my event, but I just, at this time first year, I think it would just be too costly, most likely. So it's like, I have to hold off on that. But I think she would be a great asset because she's such a big supporter of the LGBT community. But it's like, you know, slowly, everything takes its time, so. One thing you can do too, Paul, is your badge artwork. Make for sure that it includes elements of your guest as well. That's what we do every year. Um, because believe it or not, a lot of people like to get their badges autographed, um, especially if it has those specific characters on them. Okay. Um, so that's, that's a nice little touch too. Okay, I will do that because I have, I have high res art from both Lori and Ricky, so I can I can definitely put that together. Any other questions from the hosts? Well, guys, we're looking at the clock here, and we've run over an hour, and we need to start winding this down. This has been a lot of fun, a lot of informativeness, and uh, if you're in you know, Kentucky or the Carolinas or Tennessee and you were unaware of these shows, maybe this is something you need to put on your calendar and go check out all these different events that are coming up because let's we've all been shut in for a year we're all dying to get out and see something and see some people and see some cool stuff and lord knows we need conventions back and we are so thankful that folks like we have on our show tonight are bringing conventions back and maybe bringing a little bit of normalcy to the horror and haunt world But, of course, this is the time of the show we like to affectionately call The Plugs. So let's go ladies first with Stephanie. How can people get more information about Carolina Fear Fest, where it's going to be, the dates, where can they get tickets if they're on sale now, what are some websites and social media sites where people can get all that information? Okay, well, it's carolinafearfest.com. Uh, that is our website with links to everything. Uh, we have our Facebook page, also Carolina Fear Fest, and we have a Facebook event page for the actual convention. 
Um, all of those things have links off to tickets. The tickets are on sale. Um, early bird on those ends um, at the end of April. So the prices do go up for May. One of the changes that we're making from 2019 is that we are not doing at the door sales. So it is all online. Um, that's what will help us just remove one more major touch point from the event and uh, let us get everybody in there and, and shopping faster. Um, but we're also on Instagram and Twitter. We're starting up a YouTube channel. We've got a lot of plans for uh, things that we're doing with the YouTube channel. We're going to put up some of our recordings from 2019, and we've got a lot of plans for new things. Um, for instance, we had death greet all of our guests at the hotel in 2019, um, yanked them out of the hearse, and, and we had Linnea Quigley beat the crap out of death. I mean, you're not taking me, and just Michael Berryman hovering over him was amazing. Uh, it was just a fun little thing we did with our celebs as they were coming in. Um, we can't do much of that with this year, but um, we're putting all that content out there and trying to do a lot of social engagement, some trivia things and some ticket giveaways and some things are on the calendar. So we're, uh, we're really excited about it. And then if you're in the Carolinas, we've got the Devil's Playground Haunted Attraction that we do in the fall. That is your haunted house that is outside of Fayetteville? Yes. Excellent. Yeah, we're in Lillington, so we're right between Raleigh and, and the Fayetteville Fort Bragg area. Right off, right off Highway 401? Yes, pretty much. Excellent. Uh, uh, Mark, tell us about MetrothamCon. Dates, times, all that good stuff. Where can they people get more information, the social medias and websites and all that? Yes, sir. So MetrothamCon Episode 2, Oh, the Horror, is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, April 30th through May 2nd. Um, you can get tickets, find out all the, the guest lists, all the panels that'll be happening, all the events, live music, all that good stuff at metrothamcon.com. Um, you could also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, at metrothamcon. Um, be sure to tune in every Monday at 8 p.m. via uh, Facebook. We do a monthly or a weekly live show. Uh, we have the lovely ladies of Metrotham that do the live show on a weekly basis. Um, we do that live on location. Sometimes it's a lot of fun. We do special guest announcements. We do giveaways. Uh, they talk about all things pop culture. So that's a really fun show. Um, we have uh, Metrotham tonight, which is our nerdy uh, think of Jimmy Fallon meets SNL. So we open with a comedy skit and then we go into like a tonight show type thing where we have a celebrity guest on, we do an interview um, the guys that host that are, are fantastic. They're hilarious. Those things are funny. Find us on YouTube for that. We also have our gaming channel. Uh, you can watch me, myself, and several of the staff get on there and play uh, tabletop gaming and um, console gaming and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, if you right now we've got our stimulus package going on our tickets. We know that money is tight with everybody. So we have reduced our weekend badge prices to just $20 for the weekend for all three days. Um, we also have a Metrotham Con Forever badge that is $200. You buy that, you get into every show moving forward. Um, that has done really well uh, for us so far um, this year. We've sold quite a few of those. Um, and you basically get the VIP perks every single year with that Forever badge. Um, but we've got a great, a fantastic guest lineup, haunted, haunted attraction, escape rooms, tabletop gaming, console gaming, panels, 
uh, several bands coming in, um, 144 vendors in our vendor hall. We've got a children's room for crafts and, and things like that. We have after hours stuff if, if you're more into burlesque shows and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Chattanooga, Tennessee, April 30th through May 2nd, the Trotham Con. Looking forward to it. And Paul, I know you have a lot of websites and social medias where people can get information about Haunters Against Hate, the event, when it's happening, where it's happening, and all that. It's happening July 30th through August 1st in Louisville, Kentucky at the Crown Plaza. You can go to hahtheevent.com or you can go to hauntersagainsthate.com and that will also give you a link to the HAH the event a website where you can purchase tickets, day passes, weekend pass, VIP pass. Um, you could order the convention t-shirt. Uh, you can book your hotel room with a special rate through that and Yes, I'm on Hunters Can Say this on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, there is an event, HAH, the event of event on Facebook as well. So, and we'll have the vendors, we'll have the haunts, we'll have a couple of the celebrities. We're going to have the award show, which is very important to me, at least. And a drag, quite a few drag shows, actually. That should be quite entertaining. Um, there's going to be an after party sponsored by the American Horrorplex in Louisville, Kentucky on Saturday night after the event is closed. So that's where you go, H-A-H-T-E-E-V-E-N-T. And that's two E's, T-H-E-E-V-E-N-T. So. Nice. Will that after hours event be at the American Horrorplex? Yes, it will. And it will be a $20 admission and it, you'll get a behind the scenes tour of the entire haunt um we're not going to do an actual like walkthrough haunt where people get scared because it's probably going to be so brutally hot uh on july 31st in louisville kentucky so i don't think that's wise <laughs> so it'll be that they're, they're having they're planning on having a car show uh dj fear is going to be there who is from fear fair and seymour and he'll be spinning music there. So it should be a lot of fun. Nice. Well, folks, it does look like the convention season is slowly starting to come back into the world after a year of basically being shut down. These are some folks you need to support because they are just getting started in this business. And of course, we want everybody to succeed in this business for you know for the purposes of we we frankly just love conventions and love love going to these things but we also want to thank our great host for their questions and their comments storm is not with us tonight so we'll go straight to meet hook jim you know i'm i'm excited to see this listening to you guys tonight and all your plans and what you've got going moving forward i'm very happy to hear it i wish i could go to every con uh, um but unfortunately my bank account is limited <laughs> but uh definitely i'm going to make it out to haunters against hate because it's the closest closest one um paul i hope you have a great i hope you all have great shows i really do this is this is exciting and it this is what we need like drew said after all the lockdowns we need some of this just to not go stir crazy absolutely also want to thank jerry vane well, I mean, listening to all of this, it's like, okay, well, you know, 
Shot number one's in the books. Shot number two's in a couple weeks. Who knows? You might see me on your doorstep, and if you do, well, please don't slam the door too hard. <clears throat> or at least step back from it. My name is Drew I'm Badger. I'm smart down. enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, and uh, providing a public service by not taking Princess Trainwreck to Hunters Against Hate. But you might see me at the Carolina Fear Fest. You might see me at Matrothamicon. If you do, come up and say hi. I don't bite. Well, not too hard. This is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Yeah, we know for a fact that you, Princess Trainwreck will come out after much uh, liquid libation and liquid courage and bragging rights. No comment. <laughs> we have video. No comment. <laughs> house owners, actors, and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Grave Robber. Army of the Dead. On the Big Scary Show. Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Rising high. Oh, so frightening. Cast the image to behold You 
Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are traveling to the Pacific island of Fiji. The first ceremony in a funeral is called a regaragu, which is where members of the village, families, and other villages bring gifts to honor the deceased and help with the funeral feasts. Gifts such as dalo, onions, potatoes, chickens, pigs, fish, slaughtered cows, as well as yakona, Maasai, and mats. There are also tabua, which are whale's teeth, on woven cords, which is a highly honored gift indicating deep respect. The village or family presenting enters the hall together with their gifts laid outside the hall. A spokesman for each village speaks on behalf of the village and the gifts are exchanged. After the ceremony, the men remain in the hall to drink grog and the women travel to the woman of the deceased's home to present the Maasai and mats. The mats are spread out on the floor in front of the coffin, and the wailer remains there to cry on behalf of the deceased. After a while, the women begin to drink grog as well. There is usually a feast that evening to feed the guests who came to present their gifts. The next morning is the funeral. Before the church service, the wailers and women are at the family's homes and family and close friends come to the coffin, which has a piece of glass over the face, so that people can kiss the coffin to say goodbye. Then the casket is carried to the church by male family members. Then there is the church service. Then anyone proceeds out to the village graveyard to watch the somat, or burial, take place. Usually it is male family members who carry the weight to its final resting place. Before the casket is buried, it is wrapped in Maasai and mats, then lowered and the dirt is replaced. It is covered with rocks, then sticks are dug into the ground to hold up some plain colored material around the grave. Flowers and the picture of the individual are placed on top of the rocks. After the somat is the opening of the door. The house to the family's home is closed during the ceremony and after it, Men come to the door and ask to be let in. The door is opened, and they bring grog and drink a few bowls with the family to show they are not alone, that the whole village is in their support. After this is the barara, or feast, where all the funeral attendees are fed. Usually there is grog ceremonies right after this all through the night. Things keep getting stranger and stranger as I dig in, but you know what? It's not strange for them. It's their customs. So there's a little more insight to another country. I'm Meat Hook Jim. I'll catch you on the next episode. props to nine foot giants great details great looks 
Time is running out for the people of the Asylum of the Insane. Asylum of the Insane, where madness is the norm. Filmed in horoscope, see thrilling scenes in 3D. Three-dimensional terror jumps off the screen and into your lap. Obtain your free 3D blood shield glasses upon entering the theater. Rated GP, but not recommended for impressionable children. Asylum of the Insane, produced in Hollywood by Maniac. <laughs>
ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Boncaron. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Boncaron. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaron.com. V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenwine Studios. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Creepy Collection. And Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse as well as the four hosts, including Storm, Ranson Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meathook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. And finally you, without you the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.